0: Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp. And I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash stages. Go go go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages Podcast is sponsored by Better Help. That's H E L P. Hi, I'm Stephanie J Block and I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Hi
1: everyone. In today's episode we talk a little bit about two healing forms. Called Reiki and EFT or emotional freedom techniques. Reiki is a form of healing energy. The practitioner uses what's sometimes referred to as universal energy and it transfers through the palms and helps encourage emotional and physical healing. EFT is a form of tapping, it's another healing technique that stimulates the acupressure points in the body and it helps release fear and trauma. I highly recommend both of these techniques. We're going to learn a little bit more about them today and about self healing. Stay. We have a very special Valentine's episode. We have decided that Valentine's Day should be about self love. So we invited a vealer to come and join us and talk to us about self healing. She's a Reiki master, an EFT healer. She is the founder of Pause and Joy, awareness and lifestyle programming. And she was featured in the critically acclaimed Heal documentary. Please welcome Patty Penn.
0: Patty Penn to stage, please. Patty. To stage. Good morning.
1: I'm so happy you're joining us.
0: I'm so
2: happy that you invited me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so before we even begin, I think we might need to just touch on some basics. Okay. So that people understand everything that we're talking about. So yes. just, just for people to understand the basics, can you explain Reiki and EFT and is EFT the same thing as tapping and dynamic tapping?
2: Um, it is, but it isn't. Let's start with the Reiki, because um, to understand how it shifted for me with the tapping, I think uh, we need to start with the Reiki. To me, it, it, it is a healing modality, but I don't think it does it justice just by saying it's a healing modality. It's like saying yoga is fitness.
1: Right. Right. It's
2: the same thing that happened to yoga uh, in a way of like, oh, you'll get nice arms and a lean body, and you know, <laughs> you know, you'll you'll be it'll bring down your stress. Yeah. Whereas people that have a, a, a deep yoga practice or even a meditation practice kind of know it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. And yeah. Reiki kind of came to the West in that way of oh it's going to heal you maybe the west just needs more
1: healing we
2: do <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> things that are going to oh it's going to fix me going to make me feel better and then when i started kind of getting into this i was like oh this reminds me of when i did martial arts when i was younger this reminds me of zen teachings this reminds me of the force <laughs> Mm -hmm. of the universe, of what you're really kind of tapping into. And then that's when I realized that's what he was really teaching. So this spiritual conscious energy that we all tap into, you know, when I work with someone with cancer, you know, that is tapping into that place where they need to go, you know, that's terrifying in the same way when I work with an actor or a director or a songwriter who also need to be really vulnerable but they need to go to that place that they don't want to go to.
1: I think sometimes it's the language that we use around things that either turns people off or it helps them click in. And I remember at one point, many, many years ago, my brother was very ill. He had um, leukemia and he had to get a bone marrow transplant and he was really, really sick. And I went into the room and I told him, you know, let me do a little Reiki on you. I do a little Reiki. I'm certainly nothing like you are, (laughs) but his doctor said, no. His doctor said, No, 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 no. I don't want you touching him. I don't want you doing anything. And I said, Look, would you tell someone that they can't come in the room and say a prayer over him? Just think of it that way. It's the same thing. I'm just, it's just a different word for trying to bring energy to a situation and help m- move someone through something through the power of shifting energy. You know, yeah.
2: when someone is going through, you know, uh, uh, they're in a deep, deep space of um, restoring. Sometimes there's no talking to do, you know, there's just this feeling that you're like a sponge Mm. and you're just soaking in this energy that you don't know what it's doing, but it feels really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And at that point you don't really need to get into Um, where it's coming from, the philosophy of it and all of that, it just feels right. Mm -hmm. It just feels aligned, you know? And it comes through the, you know, people have said to me, oh my God, this is like the the Christ consciousness. And then Buddhists have said to me, oh, this is like the Buddha, the Buddha you know that feeling i get when i'm doing my my practice yeah other people have said to me it's it's like the feeling they get when they're in shavasana and they leave their body you know and they feel like they when they come back they feel like they've slept for 10 hours mm-hmm. if you kind of try and pin it down i don't think you're doing it justice so how but did you
1: shift from the reiki
2: work into the tapping work i was dealing with a um father that had clinical depression I knew I needed to do something to kind of look at his um how he was brought up and things and he's just he's a he's a welder <laughs> you know he's not into he doesn't like it even when we would have people in the house that were healers and mystics he would be like I'm, I don't like this <laughs> he would leave you know um So uh, for him, I knew it was going to help him. It was big with golfers. People were shifting their handicap two to three uh, uh, strokes. By doing uh, tapping. By doing tapping because golf is a game of of consistency. Mm -hmm. And when you let your emotions start to kind of run, your focus and concentration uh, and also your mantra of, oh, my God, it's going to end up, I don't want it to end up in the bunker. Oh, look, it's ended up in the bunker. You know, kind of like life. I don't want to end up in wherever. I'm going to end up wherever. Right. Um, like the self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Well, where um, you focus your energy is where it goes. So if you don't so, want it, that's where it's because going. <laughs> because if something's going to help them win championships, they don't care. <laughs> Mm. so it was really big in that way and people were teaching it from showing you uh even the demonstration from the man that i i i learned it from he was using a uh, putting he was saying like okay hit the ball into the hole oh you can't do it now tap on yourself get your regulate your breathing you know and stop getting in your head that you're you're going to miss it everybody knows that when their energy is blocked or limited they feel it in their gut they feel it in their, they feel this heaviness in their heart. Now imagine that over 10 years, Mm -hmm. you know, pick your poison, what that's going to go into. And then (laughs) there's the unawareness of things that you're holding in your life that are emotional, but you don't know how to get rid of that. You just accept like, like people like my dad were like, well, that just happened. You know, my friend got stabbed when he was 18. Like, I don't know. There's you no know?
0: rhyme or reason. It's just like, circumstance.
2: You just, you know, things happen. You just get on with life. But as you get older, as we know, traumas live in the body. And that's where the tapping became really helpful for me, you know, because some people were like, well, what is this? What happened? I felt, I feel so good. But then I have this, it's showing me that I have this blockage here. I have this. I had this feeling of rage uh, that I've never really identified in my life. And I really want to look at that and then we would tap on it. You know, so what happens is you tap on the body's energy system and this has been mapped out by Chinese medicine. This has been mapped out by acupuncture. If you've ever went to acupuncture,
1: the way it was explained to me by someone was that you, you're tapping above the eyebrow, side of the face, under the yes. eye, above the lip, the chin, the heart, and then like sort of the side of the rib cage. And the reason you tap those faces is because they are the beginning of the Chinese meridian system in the body. And you're sort of awakening the channels in the body. And while you're t- telling yourself the affirmations and you sort of reprogram your energy and the way it's going.
2: And um, so You have like a super highway meridians that go through your whole body. And you know, when you feel really annoyed about something, someone says something over lunch and you're like, you know, and you have that feeling. like Right. And you go home and you get really annoyed and you start to feel drained. Like what's draining you? Yeah. And it's draining the system. So when we have a disruption through a trauma, through an accident, through uh, things that you're holding on to, resentments, things that have happened to you, patterns of behavior that are protecting you but then become your prisoner. You have, it starts to short circuit and then it becomes illness and disease because it's trying to get you to look at this area or this heaviness or this denseness in your body. So the way We um, get it out of the system is by looking at the negative emotion. Now, what I've seen in tapping over the years is people saying positive things. It's not the positive things that cause the disruption in the body's energy system. It is the negative things that you don't want to say because it feels terrible to say them and you don't want to admit it. And worse than admitting it, some people don't even know. They don't have the awareness Around what is triggering them in their life, so people in the last ten years have started to see. Oh, I think I have this thing called triggers, right? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and and oh, I think I have this pattern that you know the same thing has happened to me in my life. You know, when I go for auditions, or when I'm in love, or when I'm trying to launch my business, I have the same peculiar thing that occurs. So there's a pattern. So we look to see where the disruption is. Now, the disruption could be a limitation. It could actually be rage, anger or resentment. Mm -hmm. And by identifying it, that's the biggest thing in tapping.
1: Is it harder to do over Zoom and and, uh, with distance Reiki and distance healing?
2: Not for me now. I was using Zoom probably about five years before. COVID. So when 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 COVID happened, they were like, "Oh, I'll just download that Zoom that everybody's been using that that comes every month." Um, so the physical touch is not imperative. For no, healing. because it's like non-loc non locality in physics, right? You have you know something here that is affected to something in the other side of the universe, and that's hard for sometimes people to get their head around until they have an experience with it, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What just happened?"
0: It's kind of that mentality of heal yourself and heal the world, right? If it is that collective understanding, that ripple effect through your home, through your family, through your neighborhood, through the community at large, and it keeps going and going and going.
2: And that's, I think, what people have seen with, um, you know, take that even into shares in AA, you know, more and more people sharing the sharing mentality of people's stories of how they overcame, that then affects the collective to to rise up, Mm -hmm. to overcome in their own lives, you know, because it inspires them. I noticed it around 2010, 2012, where more people were doing this work, not because they were sick. Before that, people were coming to this work because they were sick, they were feeling sluggish or it was very highly creative people I was working with who felt if they didn't do what they were here to do, it was almost like a death for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. I can say on this side, because of our live performance industry and yes. with the pandemic that it has felt like a death. I have lost this is grief. The, one of the loves of my life. It's been very traumatic and it feels, um, interesting when you talk to those who their work is their work and they kind of disassociate themselves with their work, right? It's something they do. It's not necessarily a part of who they are. They're able to very easily compartmentalize. This Mm -hmm. is who I am at work. And this is who I am at home. For a lot of artists, it bleeds all into one being. And so when you take that away from somebody or it just instantly disappears, it has been I've been reeling. I've been reeling for almost two years, but really it only took a couple months ago for me to say, I feel that I've had a death in my life. Yeah, Yeah. Makes total sense. sense. And when I watched the the documentary Heal and I saw you, you were working with this lovely being who her anxiety and trauma was manifesting itself through her skin. And you too were, um, uh, sort of repeating each other. And I went, Oh my gosh, that's the Meisner technique, which is. Yes, a acting technique." I've and done it
2: with, uh, with, with people when we go into something and someone actually said to me years ago, you know what you're doing? And she says, you're doing the Meisner technique. Yes. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I always use
0: that as an actor to tap in so speaking of tap in, to tap into the character or the moment of that character and to reach that emotional awareness. But then I, for some reason, again, whether it's marketing or however you want to word it, I never translated it into a a technique for healing.
1: I feel like creative energy and healing energy are very similar energies. When, you, when you're when you a creative spirit and you're not creating, you get stuck. That energy I'm is stuck. stuck. And once it bursts open and the healing begins, usually it's through really creative expression that that healing starts to help you move to the next stage. People
2: who have said to me, if they have not their creativity you'd probably been locked up really clinically depressed or another condition that would have been um, institutionalized.
0: The roles that I have gotten the most attention from, whether that's critically or from the audience, is when the audience has seen me at probably some of my most difficult or exhausting points of my life, and they get two and a half hours to witness me Working through something, processing through something, using the song as a cathartic moment, or you know, struggling on stage because I wasn't able to do it at home in front of my family. So I'm like, you really just saw a very open therapy session, yeah. And that's what you're—that's how you're connected. It was messy. It was unexpected. Emotions came to the forefront that I wasn't planning on, and so it did feel fresh and new and artsy. But really, all you're seeing is a mess. Messy human being, messy yeah. in front of fifteen hundred people. people. People want, want that.
2: that yeah. They yeah. don't want the well-produced, polished package. Right? You know where? The, oh, here's the before, and here's the after. Right? Yeah. It's um, you know, people move through their healing journeys at different stages. Yeah. Then why do you think we hide how the sausage is made so much of the time? because because i think it's the system that we are have come out of i think we are coming out of a thousand years of don't say that little girls should be seen and not heard mm-hmm. you know be do, nice be nice don't do your dirty laundry in public don't let them know that you know good things are happening in this family cuz they'll be they'll cover it they'll be jealous
1: i think especially as women you're taught don't make someone else uncomfortable your discomfort yes you can deal with but don't make someone else uncomfortable so when you try to turn that to self love right so self love yes. is basically like putting yourself first in small ways and listening to the knowing that's inside of you and all of that so so how do you find the balance between that that self love and being able to put yourself and your boundaries and your needs first and selfishness or guilt
2: well i would just tap on the guilt you know so that you are free of guilt for you to cheat yourself in the world of what it is that you've got to bring forward, because that, to me, is self-love. If you have an idea, if you have something that you've been chosen to do, whether it's a musical or a play or writing a book or removing that guilt, that it because also that guilt can sometimes be an indulgence for you to not move out of this this comfortable place where everybody likes you. Oh, that's
1: mm. a very interesting perspective. Yeah. You use it as a shield. Totally. And you don't get to blame yourself. You get to blame yes. uh, the outside world I because to deal with jealousy. Oh, that's really, That's a very and interesting way to look to deal at it.
2: With envy, jealousy, people that you thought were friends. Mm-hmm. Not liking that, you know, oh, look at her knife. Mm. <laughs> My daughter who just turned seven
0: last week asked me, we were driving home and she was looking out the window and there were lots of people walking and we were driving in the car. And she said, why do you think God allows us to see other people, their whole bodies from head to toe and how they walk and how they dance and how they do other things in life. But we don't see ourselves that way. And I thought, oh my gosh, how as a mom am I going to answer this? And I mean, I just said, look, I think God wants us to walk through life feeling all of our feelings. And sometimes when we're only watching something or being a spectator at life, we're not feeling it. So we get to watch others and wonder what they need from us and how we can be of service and how we can make their walk through life a little easier, but for us, we have to be in our bodies so we can actually feel it. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, that was pretty good, but I know <laughs> you have a better answer than what I just did.
2: <laughs> I, I think that's part of the undoing of ourselves, you know, to get rid of the conditioning. You know, I used to call it conditioning. Some people call it gaslighting now, but for years, my, my work for 20 years has been where have you been conditioned not to see yourself and not to acknowledge yourself and and also diminish yourself? Oh no, that I can't do that. Right. And you're like, where does that come from? Where is that? You know, you're getting the message, you're getting the download, you're getting the idea, but you're not giving yourself permission. You need some validation. Then you go around looking for validation and you start telling other people, and then someone steals it from you. <laughs> exactly. Or, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. or, or people poo-poo it so I've been working with children in the last since the pandemic you know mm. to me they are up to the age of seven they're data collecting mm. right? taking the data from what they're seeing on their mom on life on people and they're starting to see this system that doesn't really make sense to them and where they can kind of you know, do they work outside the system? How do they in- interface with the system? They don't really like this system. Why, why do you, why did, one of them asked me, why is it a adults, you know, don't do as they're told, but we keep getting told we had to do as we're told? And the other one was, oh, why is it they lie so much to themselves? Oh, and, wow. Um, wow. They, wow. Why do they lie all the time to themselves? Wow. And why do they live in this, they call it the should have could planet? Um, <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do we deal with the should have You know, people that tell us, well, this is what you should do. And this is, what, And then you look at their life. And they're not doing it. They find uh, they they they're looking at the hypocrisy.
1: Yeah, do as I say, not as I do.
2: <laughs> yeah, and 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 I said to them, I says it's it's it, it's uh, the fact that you've identified it is good, but you can't go into this place of that's that person's own journey, and you have to have empathy for that. But you just have to say, oh, that's interesting, mm. or wow. <laughs> And they've been learning to do that so that they don't engage in this. Really, it's the adults saying what they should be doing and what they could do, but they're not doing it. That's right. And the
0: greatest self-love really is to, as an adult, just do it. Don't be the shoulda-couldas. Just do the act
2: of doing. Exactly.
1: So as we start to know ourselves better and as we start to filter through some of these thoughts and feelings that we're trying to process, is there a way to distinguish easily between what is maybe something karmically that we're dealing with or something that's been passed down generationally or even something that you're picking up if you're empathic from someone else in the room? So it's not even your own feelings that you're feeling, it's the feelings of those around you. How do you start to really distinguish what's mine, what's karmic and what's someone else's? Well,
2: to me, that's where the Reiki kind of comes in because it is an attunement. That's what they call it. An attunement. So you're tuning in to the the fine tuning of what is, whatever that is that sustains life on this planet. So when you, and that's the, to me is the knowing you, you You spoke about earlier, know thyself, to thyself be true. Uh, and uh, and the owning of what you're here to do. and um, when you can kind of balance that and you start to untangle yourself, it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel it from others, but you know it's their stuff and not yours. You know yeah. some people think mm. it, they walk mm. into a party. Or they walk into something and then all of a sudden they feel uh, out of sorts. And they're like, okay, five minutes ago I was feeling fine. And it's not you, it's someone else, or it's a feeling in the party. It's a collective energy of nervousness. So, I think when you start to kind of differentiate that, you can kind of like, I don't really need a kind of like tune into that.
1: And can Uh, anyone do that? Can anyone reach that level of differentiation?
2: Oh, completely. You know, because I think what happens is depending on your upbringing, say you have an upbringing where you had to ascertain um, what the energy was going to be like tonight with an alcoholic father coming home, Uh or um, abuse in the house, or shouting, or silence even, you know, not knowing if they were going to be in a good mood, you know, so, so as children, we're reading energy all the time to kind of like, you know, okay, they're 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 feeling good, they're feeling this. And, and I think as adults, what happens is people start to look for where the danger is, and they will always find it. Hmm. (laughs) look to see who they need to be suspicious of but then they forgot that they were actually going into the party or going into the meeting saying okay who's the person that's gonna like try and pull something right who's the person that i need to be suspicious of but you don't really know that you're going in there with that agenda but that is the core is self-preservation
0: Is that a healthy core or should we be more walking in with what joys am I going to find tonight? What people am I going to
2: collaborate with or who am I going to meet that's going to be really fun and maybe a a friend, you know, that I didn't anticipate, but then that comes from generations of why we're, we're like that. We had to be suspicious, (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're, most of the t- time in life, if you're
1: going to search for the things that you're suspicious about it, you're going to find, you're going to be able to build some case in your mind.
0: A hammer
1: is uh, always going to find a nail. A oh, hammer exactly. is always
0: going to find a nail. You're going to be yeah.
1: able to build yeah. this case of whatever you want, whatever your fear is telling you to look out for. So right now, at least to me, but I think to most people, the world feels very precarious, very upside down, very fragile. And so I wonder, are there things we should be doing to uh, help ourselves deal with it? Or or is there something that we should be learning from it?
2: We're in times where everything is converging all mm, at once. Mm. There's order and chaos, as we know. And I think there's a term of chaotic, Chaordic. right? And we, we have this place where... As everything gets chaotic of, oh, well, you know, you can't say that anymore. You can't do that. You can. And you're like, OK, well, why can't we say that? And why can't we do that? And where's where's the dialogue? But we've become very bad at dialectical reasoning, you know? Yeah, we've become we become very bad at at, at debate. almost like Socratic style um, conversation. Words are lost. It's now all just image-based. It's all based on, as we go
0: go back to the beginning of, what words do you use? How quickly, what's the marketing of this to get the most people on your side? And nowadays, a picture says a thousand words. And so images, images, images. And that's not the truth. I mean, we have to sit down and actually talk it out. Like you just said, Reiki is not, you can't just give it one sentence for two sentences. It is a deep thick iceberg and i think most things are we're just not willing to do the work to get beyond that level of water and go way deep down we've lost that talent
1: well but i think we've we've also lost that talent within ourselves you have to do that with yourself in order to be able to do that with the world and it's very scary to do that with yourself so we've lost the talent we don't do it to ourselves and we don't do it with others and we've all become very isolated so, if it is what you're saying, which is the consciousness of all of us shifting, even though it's uncomfortable, it's a really good thing because change doesn't come in comfort. It comes in out of discomfort because it's, it's forcing it. us to a very uncomfortable place that we have to get to, so to anyone change.
2: has went through healing. They know it's uncomfortable yes. it feels as if your soul is being like ripped out of you. And I don't blame people for not wanting to do it. But before I think, People used to get ill. You know, someone said to me, he's a singer, and he said, you know, I only thought people did this work of the tapping because they were sick. I didn't know that you could do it with all this stuff that we've done it with, with my, you know, creative blockages, or I can't see that, or I can't get to that, that, that no, you know, on my head space and how it's got nothing to do really, well, with sickness, Mm -hmm. you know, but we we're sold that this is, a thing to do with sickness rather than this is a life tool. If you want to be who you came here to be, you better have some tools in your tool belt because we are still in an old system that is is, um, defragmenting, let's put it that way. And through that change, you're still going to have those old systems in place rather than being drained about it. Because that's what happens. People get shut down Mm -hmm. and they feel, um, well, what's the point? No one's going to, I'm never going to make a difference. Right. I think that's the saddest phrase that anyone has as a mantra. And I've heard it often. If you don't know, if you You don't try and if you won't try, even when I'm working with people that we have to go to that place that they don't want to go to and it feels so exposing and raw, we're going to have to enjoy it. Like, yeah, because you know it's going to
1: lead you to a I, better place. Like, and
2: I say to them, you know, the jig's up. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the jig is, the jig is up. And yeah. then they go there and then they say, oh, my God, what took me so long to do that? Yeah. I had it in my head that was this huge thing, and it wasn't this huge thing at all.
1: Are there little whispers or physical nudges that we get that can help us realize when we're deciding from a healthy place or deciding from an unprocessed trauma place?
2: You hear the narrative in your head. Well, you know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do this. And and you're like, who are you telling your day to? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so you're telling your day to the thing that's going to sabotage you Mm. and you're not going to get all of those things done? Keep that to yourself. When you start to kind of go into this mental state of, oh yeah, it'd be so nice to do that, and then you don't do it.
0: That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. I mean, we've mentioned others and how they can interfere with our plan, with the shoulda, coulda, but really at the core, we are our own worst enemy if we allow it to be louder, if we allow it to take over our physical, emotional, spiritual being.
2: Catching that. You know, the other day I went to lunch with a friend uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I could tell she was in this place because she kept repeating herself. You know, Mm -hmm. you know what I don't want, you know what I don't want, I don't want it to be like this, this, and this and this. I said maybe just practice saying what you don't want you say it a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you want?
2: <laughs> exactly. And then she said, oh my God, I say it a lot. And then mm-hmm. and then she's going to take that as our practice for the next month just to catch it and to sit with it. And and being um I think even just beginning to be self-aware of the words and the sentences that you say to yourself or even say to your friend, is that anything that I say a lot?
0: Yeah. Do you think that's the most important practice? If you were to give our listeners one practice to do and to focus on, do you think that's it? Just pay attention to the words
2: coming out of your, your mouth. Words that are coming out your mouth, and then you'll start to become aware of the mantras you have going on in your head.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I used to give people affirmations, and they were like, "I don't like, I don't say affirmations." I says, "Well, sure you do. They're just all negative." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think when we start to hear our own uh, mantras, our own negative patterns, our own like, where is that coming from? Oh, my God, that's my mother. That's my grandmother. That's that's just something that's in the consciousness. Women say to them, especially women. Well, women's work is different to the male work. Women's work is a lot of the self-worth, a lot of the imposter syndrome. You know, so that's a lot. And that's because of oppression. And really, you know, the only status that you could really have was if you married well and talk about self-love. That self-love comes from whatever you want to call it, whether it's God, spirit, the beloved, um this kind of universe, this warm feeling of, I know it's bringing up all this issue for you, but I know it's 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 a calling. It's, yes. it's not a referendum on what you no. lack or what you're no.
0: not doing, but, but that's completely aside. More. The call is more. It's the, I'm leaving behind the fear and I'm going toward the bigger, yes. the love, yes. the joy, the purpose.
2: Yeah, that's yes. it. And, and I think when you start to live that life and that alignment, you can feel it and
0: mm-hmm. you feel
2: healthier, you feel more joyful. You feel, and things happen easier. It's I not a
1: struggle to get to where you've envisioned. It just sort of lays itself out in front of you. Saying that, and that's
2: connection, right? Yeah, it's connection. Everything's connection. That's right. right. So when you're connected to that, that, that message, that call, you know, even you doing this podcast, you know, that it, it, taking the call to do that, you know, you don't know where things are going. Right. You just know, it feels right. Mm-hmm. And then that's a very spiritual teaching of not being attached to the fruits of the action. When people ask to work with me and we start to go there, a question that can come up is, are you saying that I've done this? I'm not saying that you've done this, but I'm saying that there are factors that are contributing to your disease that you haven't acknowledged, and the minute you start to acknowledge them, then you're empowered. Factors in this that have weighed you down, that have blindsided you because you weren't aware. You were 23, you were right. 16, and then once that
1: light is shined on it and you see it, you can't oh, unsee it ever again. You're like, Oh my gosh, there it is, and it's are so clear. Able
2: to be I I want to I want to get rid of it. I want it gone, and then you're all in with the annihilation of it, of what hold it has on you, what what constraint it has on you. Realizing that the the boot that is on your neck is yeah. you. So it's that shift, right? It's the it's the hero's journey. It's the the victim to, to overcome the, the hero. The, of your own, own life. So in every stage of generations, right, the traumas, the things that they had to overcome, mm-hmm. as much as you are in the epigenetics looking at, oh, my God, we have to do ancestral clearings of what they went through. Yes, we do, but we also have to embrace the ancestors of, like, oh, they were, they were tough, they mm-hmm. were strong, they overcame the yeah. courageous get through this. They, they were brave. They broke free. They left. Because they if left they there. didn't, we wouldn't be here. Right. Exactly. That's the evidence. Sometimes the things that have happened to us are horrific. But then I see people do things with those horrific things that have been able to collapse the hold on it, the hold it has on them.
1: Yeah, it's very empowering to think that you can look at those, you know, horrific or traumatizing moments and pick the positive thing that you want to find in it. Pick that out and then apply it. You know, that's a very empowering feeling.
2: Sometimes you don't even pick it out. Sometimes just by collapsing the rage that you have about it sets you free to Mm -hmm. then go into this positive realm that you didn't even, you, you couldn't even conceptualize. It's like like gifts, you know, it's mm. like presents that, that just start to kind of sprout forth from um, there not being any more toxicity in your environment. How do no. you
0: as a healer practice self-love? What's your go-to to restore yourself?
2: My self-care is, is my yoga practice my Reiki practice, I tap on myself, mm. you know, I um, I look for things to tap on, uh, hiking, mm. you know, playing with my dogs, traveling, um, being out in nature, like I love all animals, myself, love is to do with my connection to source, following your purpose, mm-hmm. or your mission, whatever you want to call it, just little steps at a time, everybody thinks they need to know what it is, But to me, it's really to do with what I'm here for and um, uh, 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 really putting that front and center. And I think once you do that, there's a there's a self-love there that you're using up skills and talents that you didn't even know you had.
0: Well, each person brings a different connection. So it's a surprise. There's no way you can possibly plan to -hmm. know where this conversation is going or what you might learn or how it might you know, inspire you in some way. And I, that's another reason when Mary Lee asked me to do the podcast, I couldn't quite encapsulize what the process might look like or what the outcome might look like. And that's been the absolute joy, you know, the creativity and the connection.
2: And isn't that the excitement again of the death part Mm -hmm. of what you had lost and then that you would never have came to a podcast probably or have started a podcast if if this hadn't happened. Yeah, right. yeah. So I, I think out of these um, uh, moments and times, I think we always have to, I think it's so easy to look at what we've lost, but also in the same uh, equivalency of what have we gained? Mm-hmm. And I think people have become, I certainly have become more grateful, much more present and more, some some of my priorities have changed
1: oh yeah oh I think that's happened for a lot of people
2: who do I really want to be having these conversations with who do I want to connect with what what, um like I don't want to just do things for the sake of doing them you know that's a formal energy of the fear you know that fear of missing out you know so I have to go there I have to do that yeah because that's also kind of like vibrating that you are missing out
1: yeah connection has become very very important real connection with yes. people there's no bandwidth left for sort of niceties idle chatter yeah I, no there's nothing no. left for that no. so real connection is what you're left with and it's a great thing
2: yeah but i think that's also that's also self-love Truly totally yep. be yourself and then authenticity emanates
0: and now our five questions if you could go back
1: to your teenage self, what advice would you give her?
2: I would say, "You already know." Ooh, ah, I like that. Me
1: too. I like that. I need to say that to myself every
2: day. <laughs> My saying is to people: "As you know, you know."
0: Before starting a new project, or if you are faced with fear besides the knowing are there physical um, talismans or anything that is a good luck charm or a a ritual could be a ritual that
2: sets you off in in the right way or makes you feel
0: more secure
2: Uh, when we are excited like if you go on a roller coaster and you are screaming your head off and you are in fear and you're doing loops and everything and then it finishes and you're like oh Do you want to do it again? When we're in fear, it is also, are we in fear or are we just excited? Um, And now I need to do breath work. Now I need to really breathe into how exciting this is. Because when I start to kind of gasp for breath or start to hold my breath, I start to starve my brain of oxygen.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: When I start to starve my brain of oxygen, I start to get anxiety and I start to spin out.
0: So Mm -hmm. breathing is
2: key. Breathing is key, but breathing into the, excitement of it breathing into I don't know how this is gonna go but I don't know where this is going but I'm excited and I'm terrified and I'm frightened and we're doing it <laughs> we're doing it to the other thing that's like I'm not doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. Right.
1: Okay if I were to walk into your closet can can you pull out one item of clothing or something special that reminds you of uh, a time in your life that you'll always keep that item?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a vintage top, a sequence top that I purchased. And I officiated my mother and father's uh, wedding, their 50th wedding anniversary. So I'll always keep that top, you know, where they renewed their vows.
0: If you could have any skill, it could be of this world, of another world, what would it be and why? It's
2: mm. a good question. Um, I think there's a word for it uh, where you can be in multiple places at one time. Uh-huh.
1: Oh, a yeah. multidimensional traveler.
2: Yeah, I think Ooh. it's the theorization or something. It's-
1: I love it. That's a good one. All right, last question. If you were a nail polish color, what color would you be and what would the cheeky little name be?
2: Uh, I would be kind of transparent with kind of like like an opal, you know, mm. like an opal stone that has all the colors and I think I would be called Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. It was such a joy. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
1: Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after this break? Dage's podcast is sponsored by Simply Earth. I love essential oils. I use them a lot, but I was always making up recipes on my own because I really wasn't an expert and I didn't know what to do with certain oils. So they just ended up sitting on my shelf. Until now, I have discovered Simply Earth. Simply Earth essential oil recipe box helps you clarify what oils to use. And they help me make my home toxin free. Your essential oil recipe box comes with four pure essential oils, six recipes, lots of fun extras, and all for $39. And when you subscribe, you'll get a big bonus box full of all kinds of natural goodies. Using essential oils to promote wellness does not have to be confusing. And right now, Simply Earth has a special for Stages cast members. You'll get a free 80 milliliter diffuser with the code stages. So log on to simplyearth.com slash stages. Get your free diffuser and start making your home and your life toxin-free. Thank you, Simply Earth, for supporting Stages Podcast. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says, love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that gives you some tools to navigate They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, Stages cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages podcast. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages and love where you are now.
0: Okay. So Patty, Patty, Penn, Penn. Patty Penn, this is what I have to say. Cause again, with these conversations, you never know where they're going to go. And we wanted the direction to be self-love for Valentine's day. And somehow every time she was speaking, I kept thinking how much better I felt about myself and how much safer. And I don't know, I, I felt comfort in thinking of those that came before me, in thinking of those that are going to come after me, there's something about a collective mindset, still being an individual, mind you, but knowing that you are a small part of a bigger thing that makes me feel better about everything. I remember Seb was going through a real tough time and, um, having a hard time shaking it, just feeling like it was only happening to him. Why is this happening to me? And we went to the planetarium at the natural history museum and we sat there and we just looked at the stars and, you know, it speaks about, it starts at the big bang theory and how it's all coming through billions and billions of years. And just keeping that all in mind saying, wow, there's nobody like me. Nobody else exists that is like me. However, for all of the things that happened before me and all that will continue after me, it puts things in a way that you can digest, that makes you feel like you can just put that next foot forward and, and go about your day. That feels the word safer just kept coming back to me.
1: Well, it, it was, it was like when she was saying, um, that because we're all part of a greater consciousness, none of us are ineffectual. So when she was saying like, with that feeling of like, well, why bother? You know, we can't, nothing I'm going to do is going to change it. But that's not true Mm -hmm. because when you heal yourself, you heal your children. You Mm -hmm. heal, you heal the past. You heal people who are in contact with you. And it might not always be easy, but when you have those, moments of healing and like strength where you just go, you know what, this is, uh, this is authentically what I need and where I need to go. You heal people in your life. And so I loved when she was saying that that feeling of how sad it is when people think, well, what's the difference? I can't make a difference. But you can, you make a difference. And by fixing yourself, you're 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 putting that healed energy into the greater consciousness. That's That's right. That's it's not really
0: romantic, but you know, it's quantum physics, people. (laughs) So, you know, love, 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 quantum physics, but because we are all connected, because we are all energy, because we all come from the same water and and air and cells and atoms, that if you can do that for yourself, you are doing that for others. If that other person is doing it for themselves, they are in yeah. turn doing it for you. Because we're And all that connected. is love. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: The other thing that you talked about that I think is so important is the conversation that we have to ourselves. You know, who are you telling this to, that repeated patterns? And I remember many years ago, there was a time I went through in my life where I would would get out of the shower or pass a mirror or put on some clothes. And the things that would go through my mind were so Mm -hmm. unkind. The things that I say to my image are I would never in a million years say it to someone else. Even if I couldn't stand that person, I would never that's be right. so unkind to them. But
0: yet I would do it to myself. Right. You're one and, of the most compassionate people I've ever met. So, where's that compassion for you? Right. Exactly. And I had to
1: find that. I still have to find that for myself. I think when, once you're aware of the patterns, you can't unsee them, that's you know, right. and that's how you start to heal.
0: And I loved that she used the word chaotic. I think word. that's a great, great <laughs> word. Chaos, but order. And order. we know, you know, she was talking about the 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 well, I mentioned the messy, but then she was talking about the painful and you have to get through it to get and again, with the visualization of cleaning something out, whether that's your closet or your office or you're packing up your home, it looks like you're getting nowhere for the more than the first half of the organization. You're making more of a mess. There are piles. Nothing seems to be in any sort of proper place, but you're working toward cleaning up organizing, knowing what you have, knowing what to get rid of and what to keep. And -hmm. if you can just keep sifting through all of that yuck and mess and what seems to be unorganized or disorganized, You will come to a place where there is more clarity and it is more organized and it makes much more sense to you. But yeah, that middle part's scary. It is. There's no way around it. And there's a really important thing that happens in that process because when you've chosen to
1: release other things, the things that you have chosen to keep have a more special value. Mm -hmm. You've, you've chosen that. It's not just in a big pile of stuff that you hoard. When you sift through whether it's emotional states or it's stuff in your closet or your junk closet or your basement. When you, when you let go of stuff, what you have chosen to keep then has great
0: value. That's right.
1: Yeah. There's this great um, thing I always love to teach in my yoga class. And it's a saying that your destiny is written on the inside of your third eye. And when you quiet your mind enough, one day you'll be able to read it. Mm. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like I'm living my purpose. I, I certainly do feel like there was a calling and and I answered that calling. but the the quietness, the stillness, the meditative state, I haven't found that yet. I, I do try, but I have never hit that place where you can just um, be quiet. There's nothing. I'm really good about coaching myself into healing, coaching myself into getting past the fear. Uh, That I'm great at. I will talk to my cells and help them heal. I'll talk to my spirit and say, you're more than they're saying you are. I I have all of those tools, Yeah. but the tool of sitting and just being without any sort of um, perception or awareness, these are all good words, right? You're supposed to be perceptive and aware and um, wanting to be better. All, All of that but the, the nothingness, the yeah. quietness. I'm not sure that's the goal to. of
1: meditation. Though I think when we put that goal on meditation, it's too overwhelming. It, it's more, I just do the mantra thing. And then eventually the mantra falls away. And okay. you do have more and more spaces of quiet. So think of it that way. Think okay. of it as every time the thought comes in, acknowledge the thought. It's not about ignoring your thoughts. Acknowledge the thought. Watch it float away. And then sit in that space for a Even minute. Even if it's two seconds or five Even if seconds. it's two seconds, because maybe then it's eight seconds and maybe that it's 10 seconds and, you know, and yeah. that's what I try to do. Anyway, my friend, happy Valentine's Day.
0: I'm going to, you too, I'm going to, and not to be selfish, but I'm going to make myself a Valentine's Day card. And I'm going to write down five things that I am either aware of or that um, I appreciate about my own damn self.
1: Oh my God. I'm doing the same thing.
0: I'm going to do that too. If you want to do it, make yourself a little Valentine's day. I love that. And then eat, eat, eat a little chocolate. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) you don't have to tell me twice. (laughs) All right. I love you. All right. I love you too. Bye. Bye. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A
1: big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Alison Arns, our PR and
0: social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.